Welcome. This is Stephen Lee, and this is Life and the Living of It. Now, for this particular episode, there are a few things you might have to take on faith to suspend your disbelief for a while. The first thing to take on faith is that love can be experienced at a distance. The second thing to take on faith is that by the simple act of loving, both the sender and receiver are changed and both made a little more whole. We affect everything by our thoughts, whether we know it or not. In quantum physics, when we notice something, we change reality. So it might not be that much of a stretch to think we can also affect people through our thoughts of love about them and to them without even being in their presence. Our thoughts of unconditional positive regard, which is the official psychological definition of love, it radiates out from us in ways that are not limited to talk, touch, or feel. In fact, I would go so far to say that there are no limits to how this attitude expands and touches all around us. For example, have you ever thought about someone and you wished uh, they would contact you and then suddenly you get a card in the mail, an email, a text, or when you really know you need to call someone but you keep putting it off and suddenly that someone calls you. But sometimes it's not just a synchronicity, but it's projecting a change of attitude at a distance. I loved the writings of Norman Vincent Peale, his power of positive thinking. He had the right idea when he spoke of the many instances where changes were made in another person's actions by thinking positive thoughts toward that person. Even though no direct face-to-face -face took place, changes happened. In one of his illustrations, he talked about encountering another driver while out on the highway. Norman was going somewhere unfamiliar, and with trusty map in hand, he entered the freeway. Well, this other driver cut him off. This other driver slowed down when Norman needed to speed up, switched lanes when he wanted to switch lanes or to exit. Norman, of course, was not blameless. The more aggressive the other driver got, the more he got, too. It was only when he noticed that he started cursing this other driver that he was getting more and more angry and more and more frustrated that he realized he was getting nowhere with this one-upsmanship on the road. He took a couple of deep breaths and he slowed down and he started talking in his car to the other driver in their car. Calmly, he told the other driver to take the lead that he was sorry for all the bad things he thought and said about him on the freeway, that he should have a good day and be safe on the road. In fact, Norman went so far as to wish him in his heart a great and joyful day. Well, they happened to both turn off on the same exit, on the same road, and Norman stopped his car to look at his map. The man in the other car had pulled over too, and he walked over and he asked him if he could give him any directions or help him in any way. The change in behavior of that man Norman attributed to the change in his attitude toward him. Now we are talking about love at a distance and not necessarily just a good attitude at a distance, but it works much the same way. An example from my own life comes to mind. After reading this exact story about Norman and the other driver to my Sunday school class at one time, we decided we would try love at a distance ourselves. 
I wanted this experiment to be untouched by my own biases or influences, so I asked the group to choose in the upcoming service that day one person who may have looked down or sad or depressed or for some reason had separated themselves from the others in the chapel. They would agree together as a group without me and start praying for the circumstances, events, influences, people to come into that person's life that would cause them to smile, to feel joy, to be at peace, and perhaps even to laugh. In addition, they would beam their thoughts and emotions of joy and peace and belonging and even laughter toward that individual. But in no way would they interact with them directly. My job was to look around during the service and see if I noticed changes from the beginning of the service to the end of the service in anyone in particular. And again, I did not know who they all picked. Well, the results were truly interesting. After the service, I went to the back of the chapel and a visitor came up to me and introduced herself and said that I reminded her of her son because of my ruddy complexion and my red cheeks. I made the joke that no one knows if I'm ever embarrassed because I always look embarrassed and that as I got older and perhaps gained some weight and got some more gray in my hair, I would look more and more like Santa Claus. Well, she thought this was just a hoot and started laughing. She said her son was starting to look more and more like Santa Claus, and she giggled even as she left the chapel. Now I turned around, looking for the members of my Sunday school class, and they were all looking at me with big eyes. A few were pointing and gesticulating to the woman who just left, and more than one were mouthing the words, it was her, it was her. So unbeknownst to me, their prayers and their beamed joy and laughter and peace kind of used me as a vessel. But you know what? God sometimes rolls just that way. Now there's another way that love at a distance may work. What if you have burned bridges with someone or they burned bridges with you, but they won't accept your calls? They don't send you any mail or email or chats or PMs. They have ghosted you. They have cut you off. What then? How can you ask for forgiveness and rebuild that bridge when the communication just isn't there? If we believe that love, unconditional positive regard, can be shared with another even if that person is out of sight, out of touch, or even out of the country, then there are a couple of active things we can do with that love at a distance. First, we can change our inner conversations about that person with ourselves. Our attitudes of that person are maintained by our inner conversations that we constantly have with ourselves, both conscious conversations and unconscious conversations. The attitudes build from those. So what do we do? We change the conversation. Instead of thinking about how the other person won't contact you because they are stubborn, maybe a jerk, Replace it with an inner conversation that focuses on the wonderful characteristics they have. The ones that made them your friend, your partner, your lover, your spouse in the first place. And yes, at first it's really hard to change the conversation. There will be a time that whatever hurt or break in the relationship or harm in the friendship, it's going to take time to feel through. But at some point, the conversation does need to change.
then actually have that conversation. No, don't call them up on the phone, but do have the actual conversation in your mind and in your heart as if they were right there. Don't let blame and guilt and finger pointing come into your conversation with their virtual self. Only focus on what you would like to see accomplished if you saw each other again. The reconciliation, the healing, the understanding. Then tell them how your friendship means so much and share with that other person all of the great memories. Apologize to them for anything that you have done wrong and tell them that their greatest happiness is your greatest desire. Continue that conversation as the days go by and visualize that all wrongs are forgiven and that you are back in that friendship or relationship or that you are back in good standing with the other person. Now, if you don't know this person very well, but they have still wronged you in some way, the same applies. Have the virtual conversation. Talk to them about the same things. Wish them happiness. Wish them peace. Surround them with your visions of them being happy or them getting along with you. Put yourself into the picture in your own mind. Whatever the greatest thing you wish for yourself, wish and visualize it even more for them. And then pray. Whether in prayer or meditation or simple quiet time, include all of these thoughts in your prayers. Choose to see them in your mind's eye as receiving that unconditional love of having that seep into every cell, see all the situations, plans, encounters, inspirations that would lead them to the assurance that they are unconditionally loved. Pray for them to have the ability to see that, experience that. And if the time ever comes to speak to them, don't miss it. Very often some synchronicity may indeed happen that you get a chance to speak with them again. Be ready. But by this time, with all of your inner conversations, desires, and prayers, you've been prepared not only for them, but for you to have a full and productive conversation. You already have the words and the attitudes and the perceptions to have a conversation of healing and reconciliation and love. Even if it's only a few words, let them come from your heart. And then you can even give thanksgiving to God that they will, in the fullness of time, experience success and friends and peace and humor and laughter and love and thanksgiving for all the things that you dearly wish for yourself for them to have experienced. And afterward, include them in your daydreams and visualizations of them receiving these things and of you receiving these things. Imagine all the ways that, if you saw them again, you could participate in providing these very things. And though you may never see the changes that happen, and you may never reconcile, by going through loving at a distance, you are also going through loving and forgiving and reconciling with yourself. Love can be experienced at a distance, and make changes up close and personal.
and this is life and the living of it.